Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello everyone and welcome to ITAM Antics, our monthly news podcast where we discuss all the biggest ITAM stories from the last month. Well, it's normally the last month in this instance because we didn't do one in December, we are doing December and January as one big bumper podcast. So joining me, as always, we've got Rich Gibbons. Hi, everyone. And we've got AJ Witt. Hi, everyone. So I'll jump into kind of what's happened more recently. Um, Obviously, it feels like a lifetime ago, and it was like last year, which again feels a long time ago. We had the Excellence Awards at the end of December. Fantastic. Always a great night. Great turnout. You know, big congratulations to the winners of the awards. There was some hilarious um, uh, entertainment, which uh, got everyone got everyone dancing, which worked out quite well. Um, got everyone pretty freaked out for a brief moment, myself included. Um, but it worked out very well. Um, anyone who doesn't know should ask someone who attended to find out what that was. Um, off the back of the awards, we're, we're doing a number of fireside chats um, in collaboration with the ITAM forum because obviously they provide the judging panel for the awards so we're interviewing pretty much all the kind of a good chunk of the winners Um, we've got one of them's already held we're doing another one in the next few days so just look out for a big bunch of really interesting interviews with some very inspirational people Um, things coming up in the calendar a few dates have been confirmed. So Wisdom North America 2024 is confirmed March 19th and 20th um, at the University of South Florida. Again, for Wisdom NA 2024. Um, so obviously come along, enjoy a wide range of presentations, workshops and the interactive sessions that you know and love, all delivered by those carefully chosen professionals from the industry. Um, and we can also announce that Wisdom EMEA has got a new venue for 2024, which is the Drum in Wembley Park. So we're going more central this time. It's June 18th and 19th. So put those dates in your diaries for those those two for those two courses. So we've got, I said it was a bumper edition. We've actually got six stories to go through this month. Some big ones, you know, some big, big item stories. So I'll um I'll dive right in. Um, The first one, I'm going to cheat a little bit because this was actually on the 28th of November, this came out. So this was because this happened just after we'd recorded the November edition of ITAM Antics. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but Flexera is buying snow. Very big news. So so while details are still quite quite thin on the ground, obviously it's it's just been announced at this stage, you know, more details will will come as this as as and when they're they're required to announce them. But um, for Flexera's side, they were very keen to stress that they will continue to innovate, enhance, maintain and support both Flexera and Snow Solutions going forward. Um, We kind of initially thought, you know, our analysis that, you know, this is a joint offering that will, um, well, sorry, their statement, sorry, was that this is a joint offering with a strengthened partner network which will provide customers with more data and capabilities to understand their IT environments, manage costs, 
and reduce risk. So Rich and AJ both shared their thoughts on on their initial thoughts on this. So AJ, do you want to kind of start with your your analysis of what this what this could all mean? Yeah, I, I think I mean it's it, it's quite a if there are item stories that shake the world. Um, this is probably the biggest story we've had, obviously, um, certainly since I've been in this industry, um, really significant. And um, but equally, I think, as Vaxero said, you know, it is also business as usual. This is a meeting of kind of whilst they're both industry heavyweights, they are slightly different in terms of kind of their focus, in terms of regional focus, and also in terms of the size of customer that they work with. Flexero are very North America based, uh, larger customers. Snow historically have been um, European based with, with, with more with SMEs, although obviously they have a very large um, engineering and uh, and uh, a corporate office in, in in Austin in Texas. So you know, they've they've had a US presence for quite a while. But I think I think it's a very good overlap. It's it's a good meeting of minds. I mean, what it's going to get them is a vast amount of you know uh, engineering expertise, ITAM expertise process expertise as well, um, bringing those two organizations together. They, they've probably got now the biggest talent pool in ITAM, I would say. Um, so hopefully that will end up with uh, the inevitable synergies and, um, you know, improving products, improving services uh, that we have. Um, so, yeah, it, very interesting to see. I, I think the other thing that will inevitably happen, of course, and this is the less good side of it is there will be people leaving those organizations. Uh, there's a lot of overlap as well, but they will then go out into the industry and, you know, hopefully raise the bar elsewhere as well. Um, yeah, we, we are a relatively small uh, sort of niche area and um, all that expertise, it's good to spread it around. And, you know, I think we'll see innovation um, as their competitors work out how to compete with this, this new uh, larger uh, probably um, more capable Flexair and Snow. Rich, what do, what do you think? Sim similar similar views? Yeah, pretty similar, really. You know, I think they're both, you know, great companies that, that have both been doing some cool stuff. And like AJ said, you know, in generally in in sort of different areas, um, but they are both on a. A similar kind of journey, you know, Flexera bought Rightscale, Snow bought Embotics, moving to that FinOps cloud management part of the world. Um, so I think, you know, for, for customers, if, you know, if you're a customer of one of them, then, yeah, it's kind of wait and see time at the minute, but it, it should mean, you know, whatever tool you've chosen, other tools have always got bits that you wish you had. So, you know, it, it should should give customers more um, more functionality eventually, although how long that will take, you know, is a different question. Um, but, you know, as AJ said, you know, these things often do help the wider industry, you know, people moving around, uh, you know, a bigger threat, so so people you know work harder to compete against them, etc. So I think you know consolidation. Th there's always the risk of losing innovation, losing competition. But I th I think this will be positive overall. And you know there are like I say there are some really good people at Snow, some really good people at Flexera, 
and there's quite an exciting opportunity you know for, for those people to come together and and work as one team and and do some some innovative stuff so yeah i'm i'm being pretty i'm pretty positive about it uh but i i can see you know from customers perspective that they might be a little bit worry which is is you know a legitimate state of mind um but yeah all in all i think it will be it will be a good thing but it will will take some time and you know there'll there'll be pros and cons as with everything mm. okay well our next story is another acquisition actually um probably still a big one but it's not as not as kind of seismic and directly item as item related as as rocket as a uh, as flexera buying snow but um so this next one is is Rocket Software is buying open text application modernization and connectivity business, which you may remember was formerly a part of Microfocus, which Open Text bought um back in 2022, I would have thought. So it was, it was just over a year, they just over a year later they, they then sold it on. So um I guess the difference here is we actually have a, a figure on this one. So they are buying it for 2.275 billion US dollars. Um, and they meant so they OpenText bought micro the whole of Microfocus for six billion US dollars last year. So you can kind of work out the maths of what they think the rest of Microfocus is still worth. Um, but so this is um, yeah. So ba basically, it's kind of big old big old acquisition, and then and then just selling half of it off. I always wonder whether this was always part of the part of the plan. Um, so for OpenText. On their side, they say that the benefits of the transit transaction for them obviously is the, the for them they see the growth opportunities in cloud and AI, so they can focus more on that by getting rid of the application modernization side. Um, it also helps to accelerate their plan to reduce debt. Um, for Rocket, this is kind of their business, so this broadens their application modernization portfolio to both on-premise and and hybrid cloud. So, you know, both the Got a nice, nice PR spin for it. Good, good reason for doing it on both sides. So, um, Rich, how do, how do you see it? Is this this a case of, you know, a natural play to both of their strengths, or what do you think? Um, I mean, with, with anything like this, it's it's always what does it mean for the customers that that I end up thinking about. Um, so, so yeah, probably for. For Rocket, for Open Text, it probably does make sense. Um, you know, Open Text. There's no point having software that you're not interested in, or that you're not going to be able to monetize, etc. But from a customer perspective, you know, when when Open Text bought Microfocus, we said, you know, be prepared for for more audits. Um, it, it's very common when when acquisitions like this happen, and now that. You know they they've moved across to those products have moved to to Rocket. I, I think that that stands uh, true again. Um, no one that I've spoken to particularly familiar with Rocket as a an entity. In you know as someone that they've worked with around audits, licensing, compliance, etc. So a little bit of an unknown quantity as far as as far as I can see. Um, and yeah, you know they've they've spent a fair bit of money. They're gonna they're gonna want to get it back. So whether it's audits, price increases, changing licensing models, um, I, I would anticipate 
all all of the above potentially for for customer organizations so probably probably yeah win win for open text and rocket but um quite possibly a a, a lose lose for customers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you think is this, this could this be a lose lose for customers if it's uh well it's i mean microfocus is such a such a conglomerate of you no know, um acquisitions and mergers and demergers and and signed mergers it doesn't surprise me you know it, it it's such a broad portfolio company with with so many products uh going back many many years so it makes sense for people to uh you know <laughs> there has been a, a big acquisition of everything and then you're just going to sort out what you don't want and maybe bits that you think that you can make some money on um for, for those of you who collect lego um uh, other brick building systems are available it, this kind of reminds me of kind of buying a set just to get the minifigures um and then setting the minifigures maybe as a, 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 at a profit which is quite common if you look at anything on ebay to do with lego you see minifigs being sold separate to the sets um and maybe that maybe it's a bit like that but just with billions of dollars rather than a few quid yeah there you go it's funny because i in another life i we did the pr for for microfocus and back then you'd be forgiven for thinking the business was only application modernization because that was all we talked about you know that was that was the focus of the whole the whole business at least from a external comms point of view it was all about it's all about COBOL actually <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Keeping, keeping the lights on, big banks, everyone's using COBOL. We keep it running for you. We modernize yeah. it. You know, we help you put the nice, fancy front ends on it. But at the end of the day, you know, it was, just, it was a solid business because so many cu customers used it. You know, they used they used these old mainframes and they needed almost one of the only companies around there that could still keep them going was yeah. Microfocus. So it's interesting. Interesting. All right, let's 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 move on. Um, bit of a bit of a shocker. This was uh, VMware stop. Well, stopped selling perpetual licenses with pretty much zero notice. It was just a little announcement. Here you go. Um, this is what this is what's going to happen. So, and it happened merely weeks after um, Broadcom finished its acquisition of VMware. So it announced that. Um, effective immediately, VMware Broadcom, as it is now affectionately known, will no longer be available on a perpetual license. Um, VMware offerings will solely be available as subscriptions or as term licenses following the end of sale of perpetual licenses and support and subscription renewals. Um, customers on perpetual licenses with active support contracts will remain supported as defined in their contractual commitments um, Broadcom encourages, though, any, its customers to review their inventory of perpetual VMware licenses, including support services, renewals and expiration dates, and will work with customers to help them trade in their perpetual products in exchange for the new subscription products with upgrade pricing incentives. So they're very keen for you to move over to them to the subscription as soon as possible. Um, alongside this, there was slight silver lining that VMware's hybrid cloud solution, VMware Cloud Foundation, had a subscription list price reduced by half. Um, described by VMware as a turnkey platform for multi-cloud and modern apps, the price reduction could be seen as a bit of a sweetener to help incentivize organizations to make that shift. Um, so Rich uh, and other big vendors made the shift to subscription. Um, are you surprised? No. 
No. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, it's been on the cards, you know, the Broadcom acquisition was announced, uh, I don't know, now I've lost all track of time, like, at least a year ago, maybe a bit more, um, 18 months perhaps, um, and it's been going through the regulators and stuff. And I, I've been saying you know, at our conferences in my um, stories that shook the world session, you know, Broadcom have got a track record. They they will be looking to you know, massively increase their, their profit margin. They're looking at moving to subscription. The the concerns that customers spend is staying flat, etc. So, um, you know, in a way, I was hoping to be wrong on on that, but you know, um, they, they've done pretty much what we were all expecting uh, as soon as they could do. Um, so it's yeah, hopefully for some people, you know, that have been to the wisdom conferences, it wasn't a total surprise, um, but it, it's still a problem. And, you know, if you're the big thing for me, really, if you're built on VMware as an organization, there aren't, I mean, A, there aren't really any obvious like for like alternatives. You know, Microsoft have, have popped up and said, you know, Windows Server 2022 and Azure Stack, you can move to that. Natanix are saying that they're an alternative, you know, and, and perhaps they are. But it's not something where you can go, all right, lads, we're migrating to VMware at the weekend. You know, you might have to stay half an hour late. It's, you know, a huge job. So for, for most customers, I, I feel like they're kind of stuck, uh, you know, when when they need to buy new stuff, when their agreements end, you know, moving on to that subscription model, which, you know, over time it is more expensive in general. So, yeah, huge huge shift not not particularly surprising but but no less painful f for it um so yeah you know i've spoken to a couple of customers who you know broadcom are a bit of a no-no in their vendor list you know because broadcom they bought computer associates and and made that difficult they bought Symantec, made that difficult so there are some people who've kind of said, you know, we don't want to buy them as a product. And now, mm. you know, a, an integral vendor is part of it. Mm. So there's all kinds of, um, you know, things to sort out internally. And again, you know, one of the, the themes last year for me has been about, you know, item risk is business risk um, and vice versa. And this is, this is really one of those, you know, you might, it might be viewed as a, an item or a procurement problem to sort out, you know, th this licensing change. But, you know, it can reverberate through the organization if it comes to you know, need, needing to look at your virtualization platform. So for some organizations, I think this will be a, you know, a, a real big part of their next couple of years, at least. Hmm. Um, AJ, um, I got to credit you with one of my favourite quotes of of the item of 2023 when you described this as Broadcom finally found the others to its new cash cow. I did like that, and so yeah. I, I would assume you probably echo what Richard said there that it's you know it's yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's um, you know as Richard said it's it's well embedded it's very difficult to move off of um, it's kind of like the server version 
or the enterprise infrastructure version of uh, Adobe going to subscriptions. You know, you don't suddenly just drop Photoshop. So you can't do the same with VMware. I mean, the other things I've heard as well is, you know, they're, they're reducing R&D on VMware. So there aren't new products coming along in quite the same way. VMware was always a very, very much, a, you know, quite a geeky engineering-led company. Um, and now it's about selling subscriptions. So, I, you know, there's been murmurs about the partner network not being very happy with customers going direct to Broadcom rather than through, through partners. Um, and this all points to thinking, well, okay, we're on a subscription model. Let's get money out of our, 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 our customers as much as we can. And it's going to be a painful couple of years, I think. Um, if you're going to prioritize something, um, you know, in, in your ITAM world this year and you're on VMware, it's probably getting your VMware estate in order and, make, and making sure you understand the licensing. And um, one thing I will say is that um, I haven't checked in the last few days or so, but the, the actual product terms changes for all of this aren't out yet. Um, we, we are looking to cover it as soon as we can on on Lisa, on our on our training platform for um, we've got some new VMware courses coming um, over on Lisa, uh, written by esteemed um, ITAM professional Barry Pilling, who who's, many of you will be, will be familiar with. So those are coming, but we are waiting to see the detail on this a little bit. But I mean, ultimately, as Rich said, you're going to end up spending more money um, and you're probably going to end up having conversations that you don't want to have mm. with a vendor you don't want to work with, uh, perhaps, because that that comment about Broadcom being sort of persona non grata is is something we've heard elsewhere based on that computer associates um, acquisition and also semantic as well. They are very clearly playing the subscription monetization playbook um, to to get the money back on these on these huge acquisitions. You know that they they're a business that they've, they've got to they've got to pay for their debt. So um, uh, we are the ones paying it. Mm. Yeah, because I think it was what sixty nine billion. Yeah, a small chunk of change down the back of the sofa. <laughs> All right, we'll watch this space. We'll certainly keep an eye on this <clears throat> this year and see what feedback we get from, from 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 our readers on any experiences they have. So next one, um, standard pause um, global ratings interview. So we interview. So basically, one of the most talked about articles that we wrote last year was when S&P Global Ratings um, published a report which drew a direct link between ITAM and the credit rating that S&P produced for that for that company. So um, S&P warned that organisations that pay inadequate attention to ITAM as a factor in their risk, in their cyber risk management, may find their credit worthiness impacted. So given that, we thought it'd be really interesting interesting to actually sit down and, and speak with them. So we reached out to the report's authors to learn more about the motivations for writing the report and learn a little bit more about how they factor in and measure ITAM within their overall methodology. So we spoke with Paul Alvarez, who's uh, cyber risk at S&P Global Ratings, and Ram Ratnam, who's the managing director sector lead for EMEA Retail and Consumer at S&P Global Ratings. Um, and during the conversation, they showed us their methodology for determining credit rating. We included a picture of that in in the article. Um, it's very interesting. It kind of shows how some factors are weighted more than others. Um, if you look at it yourself, you'll see there's kind of this main section, which creates an anchored kind of um, 
rating. And then there are a number of modifiers which can then tweak the rating accordingly. And within that, there is governance, management governance, and that's where ITAM um, and kind of risk management culture sits. So that's where the, they look at that. And a few things stood out for me really was, one was how transparent they were with this whole process. Um, I've learned over the years that, particularly in, in consumer credit ratings, how they put their ratings together is a complete mystery. Um, whereas S&P were very, very clear to, sh you know, the fact that they drew this diagram to show us and it's all there for anyone to see, to see how they put it together is really quite refreshing, I thought. Um, the impact of cyber attack, ultimately, the, the things are only ever viewed from a, okay, how will this affect their overall financial position? So um, <clears throat> they mentioned a previous report they they had commissioned, they'd published where, which looked at 75 companies that had all suffered cyber incidents. And they highlighted that while no single incident had a direct impact on any of the company's ratings in those instances, cyber risk still remains a contributing factor to their rating. So it uh, basically, if, if they deem that the company can recover financially from the attack, um, you know, if they're a multi-billion com billion dollar company and their cash flow can more than cover the cost of, you know, the embarrassing they, um, and the financial cost of the attack, it doesn't affect the rating, which seems pretty pretty logical. Um, so from that from that point of view, that even a, ho a high profile item, you know, licensing audit may won't necessarily cause a downgrade if the rest of the business is in good shape. But you've got to remember they're still looking at it and they will still take it into account. And he was very keen to stress that that was so far that they they haven't directly downgraded a company. So, um, Rich, I'll turn to you for for this one was because you 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 were on the on, on the call with them as well. Was there anything that that struck? Anything else that struck you from, from the conversation? Um, I mean, I would completely agree with you that the transparency was surprising, you know, in a, a refreshing and positive way. Um, yeah, usually these things are, you know, a sort of combination of, of magic and jargon, um, but this is very clear. So it was really interesting to understand. And I, I think, you know, in the conversation, so they're the first people of the the kind you know the in in this in that kind of world to talk about item really really important it's a great conversation starter for it asset managers when they're talking with internal stakeholders executives etc but i do think there's still a way to go um you know i, I think you know they they were quite open that you know they're not item experts and I think, you know, as we in the industry do more and, you know, keep the industry growing and, and um, being more visible, then I, I would imagine over time we'll see ITAM, you know, perhaps become even more integral or, or more specific parts of ITAM being called out. Because I think at the moment it's kind of, you know, you have to have good ITAM to have good cyber security and you have to have good cyber security to be a you know a, a strong stable company i would like to see in the future uh maybe a bit more prescription as to what good item is yeah. uh, and i mean yeah that is a <laughs> yeah that, that's one of those questions isn't it we, we could have a, a a thousand people for a thousand hours and we, we'd come out with five thousand answers 
Um, but I, I think that would be interesting in the future and, you know, something that I think as we keep talking to them, you know, hopefully we'll be able to to have those discussions with them um, of defining, you know, it'd be great to see an external non-ITAM organisation, you know, with such a reputation as SMP defining, you know, some some key elements of good ITAM. Um but overall, yeah, you know, very, very interesting, great, you know, great conversation. And the conversations that I've had with people around the industry, you know, partners, customers, etc., you know, using this in internally in conversations, in business planning is um yeah you know it's paying dividends for for a lot Yeah. of people for sure Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, um, next story is is Copilot. So Microsoft Copilot is now um more more generally available. Is that the right the right way to describe it, Rich? You know, it was mostly available before, and now it's very available. Um, so do you want to um just explain what's what's happened there? This this was last week, so January the sixteenth. This announcement was made from Microsoft. Yeah, so see, so yeah, I you know I thought it would be remiss not to talk about um, a, an AI story that you know also involves Microsoft. Um, so yeah, so so in November they made Copilot for Microsoft three six five generally available, but it was only available to enterprise customers, and you had to buy at least three hundred of them. So it was the the least general general availability I've ever seen. Um, but now. Yeah, there's no minimum. It's on all the agreements, so you can buy it on CSP and things. So, so it's available to you know organizations of, of any size. Um, it's available to a wider range of licenses. So it was just Microsoft 365, E3 and E5. Now some of the business plans are eligible, as well as Office 365, E3 and E5. So, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, pretty much everyone can buy it, which... depending on your viewpoint is is great or awful um you know from an asset management perspective it's people will be going off they'll they'll be buying more licenses adding more costs etc um but i think you know this is going to be a, a big thing people with renewals from this point onwards copilot is going to be a big part of microsoft's uh you know tactics strategy agenda So I think for everyone to understand um, what's possible and what they need to watch out for is good. And as, as always with Microsoft, you know, it, it's quickly become confusing. I was talking to a bunch of people the other week. Um, yeah, and the product we're talking about here is Microsoft is Copilot from Microsoft 365, but it's also available for Office 365 now. And, and they're two different products. Um, but then there's a core pilot for service. There's a core pilot pro that, despite its name, is only available to consumers. Um, the Classic the Microsoft naming there. yeah, you know, and then there's all these other core pilots that are included within other products and da da da. So for from a customer perspective, you know, if someone comes to you and and says, "I want core pilot," or we have we got core pilot, or You know, even just just that, you know, defining what they mean is probably forty five minutes. 
Um, so it, it's that big thing of, you know, the, the AI conversation. Um, it's not just how can it help in ITAM. It's also going to give us all many more things to manage. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if you're a customer, if you've had people who wanted it, but you weren't eligible, you, you almost certainly will be now. Um, but, you know, make sure you've got some kind of plan in place for keeping a central hand on who's buying Copilot from where and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, really, it's one of these things, it's going to be a, a slow burner, but renewals, partners, you know, will absolutely be going out to customers and, you know, pitching Copilot, Copilot services, licenses, and so on. So, uh, yeah, re you know, quite a, quite a, it was a relatively low-key announcement, you know, they, they put it out line on a I think like on Tuesday night or something last week. Um but yeah quite quite big impact and you know it means that you know Microsoft Copilot's probably the most famous AI tool after Chat GPT. Um and it now means that you know we'll be able to get some real insights into what it can and can't do as well. Um so so yeah I think it's an interesting one. It will be good for some businesses. It will be expensive for everyone. Um, but yeah, looking forward to see how it all pans out. Mm. Interesting to see. I'm, I'm very keen to try it myself, actually. So uh, now that I can put it on my license, I probably will give it a go. Um, well, last story. So it would be remiss of us for the you know the first item antics of of the year not to look ahead at kind of what the big trends are that we expect to to see obviously um i think the word ai will probably come up a few times so um so rich and aj um put their predictions down we've put it down in an in an article um go and go and have a look but i thought it might be good to just have a little chat about them about them now so rich um i'll start with you um your picks were if i looked through it was ai funnily enough um <laughs> consolidation in the itam sector so potentially a bit more of that um, and then growth in third-party support. Um, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about about those? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I should sort of caveat it by saying, you know, I, I I decided to stop predicting after a while. I could, I'd probably still be writing. Um, so you know, things like FinOps Cloud, etc. You know, they're all still. Um, really really big for this year but i kind of feel like they're relatively embedded you know mm. finops no one no one's going to be surprised by finops in 2024 um so so i was trying to look at you know things which are you know maybe less less apparent um so yeah so ai i mean you know as, as we just touched on with copilot you know there's two sides to it. There's the AI in ITAM tools to, to help IT asset managers. What does that look like? Is it a good thing? How do you use it? And so on. And then there's also the, you know, all the vendors, Microsoft have got Copilot, Google have got ads, Amazon have got one whose name I forget. I saw yesterday or, you know, SAP, uh um sort of repositioning i think they said like nine thousand jobs towards ai 
um, you know, Oracle talk about AI. So, so from from an asset management perspective, from a licensing perspective, AI is going to bring with it all kinds of new metrics and challenges and you know opportunities and problems and and that kind of thing. So it's almost for for ITAM, you know, you got you got to look at both sides of the coin at the same time, um, which I think you know. you can only do by spinning it really fast um, or, or maybe using a mirror. Um, but that that's going to be tricky for, for everyone. And, you know, th there's going to be some real success stories with, with it on both sides and, and some real problems. Um, and we will still be having this conversation in five years, you know, at, at least. I, I was talking to someone the other day you know, about cloud, You know, AWS came out in 2006, Azure came out in 2010. So, uh, you know, what's 18 years since Amazon AWS, but it's still new to some people, to some organizations. AI will be like that, you know, may maybe not for quite as long, but it's not going to be, you know, the security implications. It's not going to be something that a lot of organizations can can jump on. Um, so yeah, lots lots of stuff. But I think for IT asset managers, working out how it impacts you and your business, learning skills, you know, whether it's prompt engineering and all that kind of thing. Um, absolutely add it to your repertoire and, and be prepared. Um so so yeah, and, yeah I mean AI, we, we could talk about that on its own for, for hours, but I will I I, I won't. Um the other ones, I you know, consolidation. Yeah, I think that will will continue. Um, you know, within the ITAM space, obviously we you know flow. Uh, I nearly said flow and snacks era. Then uh, feel free feel free to use those as as new company names if they want. The new to. branding. You've just come <laughs> <out with it. laughs> um, but yeah, so snow and flex era. We've seen that you know, and previously that you know, uh, Trustmark bought Livingston. Uh, Angle Point bought Fisher ITS, so so there has been some. I think there will be more, um, and I also think uh, you, you know a, a software vendor level like you know, IBM bought Aptio and and that kind of thing. I think it it will continue. You know there are smaller organisations that have got great ideas, great technology that will be snapped up by bigger organisations with with deeper pockets. Um, I think there'll be some mergers, you know, two people both got good ideas, stronger together. I think we'll see some of that for, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um and and I think some of them will be, you know, really beneficial for, for customers. Um and then finally, third party support. So this is something, you know, this has been around for, for ages. Um, you know, people will be familiar with, with some of the players, you know, Origina. In the IBM space, you know, people will probably be familiar with Rimini as well. Um, but there are you know plenty of others, you know, Azul as a kind of Java alternative, Spinnaker on the SAP side, uh, US Cloud for Microsoft. Uh, there are some others as well. As I saw one the other day, third party support for Citrix. Um, and in general, you know, they 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 all seem to offer better service at a lower price. which, you know, is a pretty good combo. Um, and I think, you know, all the price increases that we saw in 2023 from 
all those vendors that I've just named, IBM, Microsoft, SAP, Oracle, you know, this kind of doing more with less, you know, in, inflation still going and or price increases, customers are going to be looking at, you know, how can I reduce my expenditure? And if you can get, you know, equal or better service at the same time, then you know, I think that's a very attractive proposition. There are, of course, you know, many caveats, many things to look. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, but I, I, I feel like this year going forwards, previously it's maybe been a kind of, you know, a nice to have. Uh, but now with, with budgets being so stretched, I, I think people will, will look at it more and more. Um so so yeah those are my my main uh predictions there's, there's a kind of long tail of other stuff as well but I, I think those are the the main ones i'd go for aj on your side you a, ai what naturally came up on your side as well um data and and 2024 being a bit of a transitionary year as well i guess off the back of all those those consolidations that we've seen yeah, I, I think it might just be wishful thinking on my part, just for things to calm down a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, because we had you know we had so much change. But then you know, as uh, as Rich mentioned, you know, um, SAP have announced um, you know a, a big shift um, in the last you no, know, literally yesterday, in in what they're doing around AI. Um, we've had VMware. That VMware change came quite late in the year, so yeah. I, I guess yeah. You just need to be ready and to be agile to 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 get on with uh, whatever the industry throws at us. Um, my my other point, I think, really was um, sort of rather than beating the AI drum too much, is also do we actually trust this stuff? Um, you know, what we do as practitioners is based on trustworthy data, and yeah, it's quite cool having like a nice chat interface to query your ITAM data. But how do we know how accurate that is? And I'm sure we'll see, um, you know, some innovations, some changes from, from from tool providers around that to try and try and really help you kind of get more out of your data. Um, literally, you, you won't be surprised, I'm sure, but literally every single tool provider I've spoken to or service provider I've spoken to in the past three or four months um, is doing something with AI in their tools this year. So, so look out for that coming mm -hmm. along. Um, let's hope it's not priced in quite the same premium as Copilot is, for example. Um, having said that, I have to say most of these AI add-ons are pretty pricey. So, you know, it comes back to ha trusting what it's providing to you and also whether it's worthwhile um, uh, to, you know, to, to, to improve what you're doing on a daily basis. As an ITAM team, you know, if you can automate some stuff, if you if you can really, really speed up your decision process, then that's that's a great thing, and it's worth paying for. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think we've seen changes from from pretty much all of the big five now. Um, so perhaps we're done for a little bit, and it will be a quieter year. But of course, it will also be the year where all those changes start coming through into your renewals. Um, uh, in, into new purchases as well and and so there's going to be plenty for us to be doing um in item helping our procurement um colleagues and um others across across it and, and and the business to sort of understand all these changes what they mean and it really gives us an opportunity as well to be more strategic and more be more business focused because these are fundamentally 
business changes, right? Though these are acquisitions, these are new ways of selling software. Um, we can talk about that rather than talking about sort of perhaps the more technical side of our job. And that should mean that we're taken a bit more seriously in general management circles, which is where we should be heading. No bad thing. No bad, no bad thing. thing. All right. Well, let's let's um we'll look back on these in a year's time and see if uh we'll see if things happened in AI or not. I mean that you yeah. know, a bit far fetched, you know. We'll, we'll get AI to look back on this for us. Yes, they can do it yeah. for us. <laughs> we won't be here in a year's time. <laughs> I'll do the podcast say, as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say I'm less enthusiastic about chat GPT than I was six months ago. Um, not quite sure why. I, I don't think it, I, either we've kind of got over that initial kind of, oh, this is really cool, or it's because, of course, it has a model going back. I think it's been updated to January 22 now. Um, no, things change so rapidly, and AI itself is accelerating change, and therefore those models that they're based on are, are sort of falling behind. And um, I asked for some, some advice this morning, uh, and they said, oh, go to this website, and that website no longer exists. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that's where we are. It's, it's that kind of, this is awesome. Um, so we're maybe going to go start seeing that dip uh, this year as people sort of think, uh, actually, no, I do still need my own brain. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think, you know, even, I mean, you know, ChatGPT4 came out last year. But even that, you know, simple things, like the other day, I, I was um, playing a, I've got a variety of word games that, that I, I do on my phone sometimes. And for some reason, I just thought, oh, I wonder, I assume an AI would be able to answer this much faster than I can. You know, so I so I just said to it, right, you know, come up with some words, this five letters long that have got these letters in certain positions. And it absolutely failed massively. It was it was giving me words that were more or less than five letters. They had different letters in the positions, you know, you know, make sure it ends with a T, one of the words ended in an S, that kind of thing. And that seems like real basic stuff. So, you know, to, to your point, AJ, about do you trust it with analysis of your, you know, 100,000 assets across five different business units? Da, 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 da. I wouldn't at the minute. You know, if, if, it, if it can't tell me a word that ends in T, <laughs> can, it, can it tell me what my compliance risk is for, for Java? Probably not. So, so yeah, I completely agree with you. It, and I did see someone point out that, you know, that they're trained on humans and, you know, maybe it's a case of the more humans use this stuff, the, the, the worse it becomes. The worse they get because <laughs> nah. we're just teaching. The lowest common denominator takes over. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know whether that is, you would assume there were protections against that <laughs> but it, it does it there feels like there's some logic to it because yeah, yeah when it came out it definitely seems better yeah also a, a person is smart but people are stupid i think there's this this on mass we're not the smartest no apart yeah. from but then conversely wisdom of the crowd you know if, if you get a bunch of people to take a guess on something and, and average it out you're almost always at the right answer. Mm. 
so we're we're a, we're a funny bunch. So yeah. maybe as long as it doesn't do politics, we'll be okay. Well, uh, that's probably word good, quizzes. Probably a good point to uh, to end the podcast there <laughs> before, we, <laughs> before we go down that route. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, is there any um, is there anything you want to plug coming up? Um, I'll just say we we looking at twenty twenty four. We've we're getting some. I'll do some interviews with a few a few people in the industry to to do a few more articles on this so it won't just be our our views you'll get to hear there'll be a few others over the next couple of weeks um those fireside chats with the excellence award winners to look out for um anything on on your side you want to mention before we sign off for me it would be uh wisdom north america you know if if you're based in in north america um come along you know register The, the website is up the agenda is is overly full um it, it's some great sessions we've got people speakers from from all manner of of industries covering you know stakeholder engagement uh procurement finops c-level uh management uh all, all sorts check the agenda out come along any questions get in touch with us um and i, I think you know that that's probably the the main thing at the moment you know we're, we're building some great content you know webinars articles and things throughout the year but you know we, we can talk about those on another podcast i think considering this is kind of you know end of january yeah you know wisdom north america come along great to see you there fantastic all right well i think we'll um we'll end it here so thanks everyone um it's been a long one uh 45 50 minutes i think we're up to um yeah well thank you if you've if you carried on listening to the end um and we will see you in in the next one thanks everyone see you soon see you in a bit <laughs>